You've heard of Grammarly, and you might think it's a fancy spell check, but people on your team have been using it and loving it for years because it does way more than you realize. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner that works seamlessly across apps and websites and can write an instant first draft in a few clicks, not a few hours. When every word your team writes is clear, concise and on brand, companies can save 19 days per employee per year. Learn what better writing can do for your company at Grammarly.com. Grammarly. Easier said, done. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. From the heart of where innovation, money, and power collide, in Silicon Valley and beyond, this is Bloomberg Technology with Emily Chang. San Francisco, and this is a special edition of Bloomberg Technology. Twitter is now officially owned by Elon Musk, and the news is still sinking in. He's already fired a few key top executives, announced a new content moderation council, and started restructuring. How will Twitter under Musk moderate free speech? What is the business strategy? Kanye's profile appears to be back. Is Donald Trump next? We have a premium lineup of guests today, including one of the investors with inside knowledge of Musk's plans, along with a member of Twitter's founding team. Let's get right to it with Bloomberg's Ed Ludlow, who's been following Musk and his coverage of Tesla and SpaceX for so many years. And now Twitter, he joins us now outside Twitter headquarters live in San Francisco. So, Ed, day one under Musk, what happened? You know, not as much as we'd hoped, to be honest, And We know the deal closed last night. You know, equity co-investors were informed late night Eastern time. What I'm hearing from sources, actually, a lot of the work we've already reported is ongoing. There are Tesla engineering staff inside of Twitter being buddied up or paired up with tes- uh, Twitter engineering staff, and they're basically having mi- meetings to review the source code behind the Twitter platform. That's kind of what's happening minute by minute. You will have seen the tweet, right, M, from Elon Musk about... Uh, content moderation council and so the, the conversation seems to be moving really quickly from how this deal happened and what the deal looked like to what does the future of Twitter as a platform look like under Elon Musk and of course content moderation and the support of freedom of speech and freedom of expression is fast becoming what we want to talk about. Now, we know last night he fired a few of the key top executives, Parag Agrawal, the CEO, Ned Siegel, the CFO, Vijigade, members of the legal team. We also saw people walking out of Twitter today with boxes. Are those all people getting fired? Yeah, so, I mean, on the executive departures, sources tell us that, for the time being at least, Elon Musk has installed himself as CEO of Twitter, private Twitter under him. I know that a lot of staff were really concerned, for example, by Ned Siegel's departure, right? He was CFO for five years, regarded generally as a very nice guy. Um, Two individuals walked out of the building behind me earlier today. They claimed to be Twitter employees who had been laid off. 
It turns out, according to sources, that that was a hoax, or at least Twitter staff believe it was a hoax, that they were not Twitter employees and therefore not laid off. We've phoned Twitter. We've asked Twitter for comment and to clarify the situation. We've asked Musk's team to clarify who those people were, and we've not heard back. All right, Ed Ludlow, outside Twitter headquarters. Thanks for your reporting. We're going to get back to you a little bit later in the show. I do want to bring in Ross Gerber right now, president and CEO of Gerber Kawasaki. He is an investor in Tesla and SpaceX and now Musk's Twitter. So, Ross, please clarify for us, what's your role in the new Twitter uh, under Elon Musk, especially given we've talked about this a few times this year. You weren't such a fan of Elon Musk owning Twitter after all. Yeah, yeah, this has been an extremely painful and difficult process for the last six months, uh, more so for Elon than me. Um, you know, so when it came down to it last week, they asked if we wanted to invest. And, and I said, yes, because, you know, I, I stick I stick with Elon. You know, he's made me a lot of money over the years and I have great confidence in his leadership and an ability to turn Twitter around and make it a much better platform. But it was only after I heard the business plan that I was convinced that this was an incredible opportunity. And, and that's why I'm backing it. And, and I don't really have a role at this time. I'm trying to get on the, uh, either the advisory board or the content moderation board in the sense of, I think, with my background in media and communications, and I actually studied free speech at the Ann Arbor School of Communications at Penn. Uh, actually, at the same time, Elon was studying at Penn as well. And, and being a liberal, Jewish, mostly Democrat, I think that um, people would be very comforted to know that somebody like myself might be involved with this type of decision making. So, so I've made my pitch to them and we'll see what happens. So you've seen the business plan. You say, what's in it? What are Elon well, Musk's plans for this company to grow it, to make money, et cetera? Yeah, I mean, first of all, there's really two parts of the plan. There's Twitter 1.0 and Twitter 2.0. And Twitter 2.0, I don't think Elon is fully sure how that will look, but but it will involve a much bigger vision. But Twitter 1.0 is really fixing Twitter and making it a better platform. And it's around a three-pronged approach. First, it's cleaning up the platform and creating some sort of verification system. So users are really people, and that will make advertisers and users uh, have a much better platform to share information and ideas than the current system where bots and, you know, sort of attack robots go after everything you, you tweet. So by knowing who the users are and creating this verification, I think the platform will be a much better place for users. Secondly, it's about creating a subscription model so that not all revenue is derived from advertising, taking some of the power away from advertisers uh, and putting the power back into users. And this subscription will include many different factors, including the verification and many other like small benefits, like uh, maybe an edit feature, kind of like what Twitter Blue is now. And then the third part is really about building the creator community. And this is a really a combination of like combining like some of the features of YouTube slash Zoom uh, with uh, what Patreon is doing and, and, and a company maybe like OnlyFans where where creators want to be compensated for putting great content on platforms. And really, YouTube is the best at doing this. So most of the other platforms, um, whether it be you know, commerce-related like Instagram um, or just information or entertainment-related like TikTok, don't really have great monetization for creators. And that's really a focus of Elon, which is getting great creators back on the platform and, and a way for them to make a living. So if they achieve all three of these things and 
getting a cut of transactions in the creator economy, as well as subscription revenue on top of the ad revenue, this becomes a much more interesting business. Hmm. Let's talk about the content moderation council that he said he would form. He also said there wouldn't be any big decisions until that happens. It does look like Kanye West or Ye is back on the platform. Does this mean Donald Trump isn't coming back anytime soon, isn't coming back before the midterm elections? Well, you know, I'm not sure where Elon stands with these issues other than he believes. And I agree as well. And, and I have to say, there's nobody who hates Trump more than me. But I do believe in free speech, and I believe if he follows the guidelines of the platform, he should be allowed to speak just like the Ayatollah and Putin are tweeting as well. You know, it's like we can't just arbitrarily decide. So I think uh, having transparency through a process, having better algorithms to identify hate and bad speech and holding everybody accountable to the same standards is really what Elon's about in creating a great marketplace for ideas. Um, and whether Trump violates those uh, rules or not, he'll be held accountable to the same rules as everybody. Now, the reason you weren't excited about Elon being involved in Twitter is because you are a longtime Tesla investor. You're also in SpaceX. Are you concerned about Tesla? Are you concerned about SpaceX and his ability to keep these companies running and growing while he now has a third company that he has to take care of? Well, I'm not really that concerned about Tesla or SpaceX in, in both companies achieving enormous successes and, and have a very clear path and business plan in front of them, which Elon is guiding. Um, my bigger concern was him being CEO of Twitter for any extended period of time in that just there's only so much time in the day. And can he really achieve his goals at Twitter along with all his responsibilities of going to the moon and building the biggest, you know, EV tech company in the world. So, you know, how does one person do this? And and, and I think that's a legitimate concern. And, and that was the one concern I brought up in the conversation is like, how long is he really going to be CEO? But I think what he's done at all his companies very effectively is found great autonomous leaders that really can run the business when he's running around doing other stuff. And he guides people in a very specific manner. But I also think his engagement, obviously, in different levels will be limited because he had now had three businesses instead of two. Well, what did he tell you? I mean, how long does he plan to be CEO? Well, I didn't speak to him directly about this. I, I spoke with his uh, right-hand person, uh, Jared Burchnell. And, um, you know, there were, so most people who deal with Elon, really, we just don't know, you know, like what will happen next, which is really the beauty and horror of dealing with Elon, you know. So if you want stability, you know, this isn't the guy. But on the other hand, he's going to achieve great things. So so I'm not sure. And I think he's digging in now to see what kind of problem he's got to solve. And, and as I've said earlier, Elon loves trying to solve the most difficult problems in the world. And, and this is definitely one of them. So, so he's going to have to put some time into this one. And just the same, I, I think he's got the team in Tesla in place. Tesla has a great year in front of them, and I don't see that being affected in any way. So uh, let's talk about the job cuts. I mean, already, already, you know, much of the executive team is gone. He had said, or there was reporting that he was going to fire 75% of the workforce. Then he said he never said that. So right. where do you think he really stands on job cuts and you know, how many jobs do you think should be cut or, or should they be cut, especially right away? 
Well, I know where he stands from what I was told, and I was never told 75%. In fact, I told the Washington Post myself that their number was incorrect and they didn't fix the article. That said, um, there will be massive What's job the number, cuts. Then? What's the number? 50% was what I was told. And, and so, you know, half the people at Twitter are probably going to lose their jobs, and, and the other half probably will not. And what the way to really look at it this way is that Elon is hiring from Twitter this new team that will run Twitter and whatever it will become. And he's starting with the engineering talent. There's a lot of talent at Twitter, and he wants to retain and hire these people. And where we'll see most of the layoffs are at the top and in the project management side where many of the projects have not come to fruition or not great ideas, and they're going to cut a lot of these projects. And so um, when you look at the job cuts that they've made already, um, he's already saved himself, you know, probably a hundred million dollars in compensation just from firing four very overpaid Twitter executives. So I have no love or uh, belief in the current management team of Twitter, and I think the first thing you do is you start from the top and you start cutting. Um, so that's actually good news for most of the people at Twitter because if you're a productive, successful person at Twitter, you're going to retain your job, and you should not be worried in the least bit. You should be excited about the opportunity to work for one of the most incredible entrepreneurs of our time. So let's talk a little bit about Twitter 2.0, as you call it. What does it look like further out? Is it part of this X, the everything app thing? Do some of Musk's other companies have a role? For example, Starlink. Could Starlink have some sort of role in future Twitter? Well, not necessarily. I think Starlink is an example of where they see Twitter 2.0, because when they started SpaceX, Starlink wasn't even an idea. And Starlink ended up becoming this amazing project out of SpaceX, really. And and that's where Twitter 2.0 is, which was sort of like pitched as like, well, we're not really sure what it'll invent, but we know it'll be awesome. And a lot of this will be the incorporation of cryptocurrencies and the digital ecosystem into the commerce uh, and creator element of Twitter. So when you actually start thinking about trading digital goods and services and digital commerce, like with cryptocurrencies, and you add in that element to Twitter as a overall platform for good services, uh, ideas, entertainment, um, and such, um, it becomes a little bit more of Elon's vision of X. And really where I see this which kind of hit me last night is maybe he's building the future operating system for Tesla as well for all the screens and the millions and millions of cars that will now run on this new communication social platform. So there's a lot to this that people can put together between Tesla, Twitter, software, building an operating mobile system and building something that will be great for sharing ideas and commerce. Um, boy, the potential is unlimited. And that's why I invested. All right. Ross Gerber, CEO and president of Gerber Kawasaki. Great to have your inside uh, perspective with us. We'll be looking to you for more information on the inside track uh, as this rolls on. Always happy to help. Always happy to help. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Okay, coming up, the deal is done, but Musk's court battles aren't over. We're going to talk to you about the looming legal challenges he still faces next. This is Bloomberg. What if everyone at work were an expert communicator? What if every doc, message and email they wrote was perfectly clear and concise? Inbox numbers would drop. 
Customer satisfaction scores would rise and everyone would be more productive. That's where Grammarly comes in. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner that understands your business and can transform it through better communication. Companies that use Grammarly save an average of 19 days per employee per year. That's because with Grammarly's AI, what used to take a few hours only takes a few clicks, like generating an instant first draft in your company voice or tailoring a message to your specific audience and goals. And Grammarly's personalized on-brand writing help is built in everywhere your team works, across 500,000 apps and websites. Plus, it's safe, secure, and already IT-approved. Join 70,000 teams who trust Grammarly with their words and their data. Learn more at Grammarly.com. Grammarly. Easier said. Done. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank. Because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Well, after months spent in a brutal legal battle trying to get out of his $44 billion proposal to buy Twitter, Elon Musk still has outstanding matters in Delaware courts. He is scheduled to return before the same judge in Delaware Chancery Court in November for a separate trial over his compensation at Tesla, which could top $50 billion. For more on this, I want to bring in Lawrence Hammermesh, Executive Director of the Institute for Law and Economics at University of Pennsylvania's Cary Law School. Larry, thank you so much for joining us. So we're going to talk about that, but let's talk about uh, what just happened. Did Elon Musk just dodge a huge legal bullet here in closing this deal for Twitter? Yeah, we'll never know, will we? But but it sure was um, looking ugly for him uh, as the as the trial approached, um, quite apart from the fact that he uh, avoided having his deposition taken in the case. He was going to have to deal with a lot of frankly, would seem like contradictory statements uh, about Twitter in the last several months. And I, for one, didn't see a way for him to get to the goal line in that case, the goal line as it was at the time, getting out of the deal. So as much as uh, uh, his turnaround and saying, yep, I'm going to go ahead was a shock to me, uh, it, it kind of made sense because I think he was, as we used to say, cruising for a bruising. Do you think this will impact the tech M&A landscape going forward? You know, will this discourage potential breakups? Well, uh, I'm not sure it'll do so any more than the law did before. I mean, it's been pretty clear uh, from a number of cases in Delaware that when push comes to shove, if if your deal says you don't have a way out, the court's going to do something and is not afraid to make you go through with it. Uh, the specific performance remedy that people talk about. So uh, I, I'm not sure there's new law. I'm not sure there's new guidance. 
but maybe there's new reassurance that uh, a deal's a deal and it's going to be enforced. So let's talk about these other issues that he's facing. What, uh, how serious are, are these Tesla, uh, other Tesla situations, and how significant is it that he's got to deal with the same judge who didn't make so many favorable uh, rulings on the Twitter deal leading up to this? Well, um, I don't want to puncture your balloon, but I think what's left in Delaware is not nearly as exciting or as big as, as the case that we almost just had with, with Twitter. But uh, they're, they're serious. And there are really two cases. Uh, one uh, that's uh, scheduled to go to trial soon is uh, the one involving uh, a compensation package Elon got from Tesla back in 2018. Uh, a whole slug of stock options in, in I think, 12 tranches. Uh, and uh, they were performance-based. Uh, in other words, he didn't get the benefit of those options unless Tesla met some uh, milestone performances, uh, which they mostly did. Uh, and uh, and yet what there's what's left to, for, to, for trial is a stockholder suit claiming that that compensation, that equity compensation was just way excessive in, you know, in the billions of dollars. Mm. You know, I don't know what it's really worth, but it's worth a lot. So how could this potentially impact him, given he just shelled out a lot of money to buy Twitter? Well, um, it, uh, you know, if he loses, uh, it could be significant, although, uh, you know, even a couple billion dollars is a lot less than, than uh, yeah, 44. But it, it would be significant if he lost. Uh, however, I think it's important to keep in mind that uh, when the judge who has since retired, decided a motion to dismiss the case, he said, yeah, uh, the, it's the plaintiff stockholder who's going to have to prove unfairness in this case, uh, principally because of the stockholder approval of the pay package. Because the stockholder is going to have, plaintiff stockholder is going to have to prove unfairness, uh, you know, it's not a, it's not a lay down hand. And in fact, uh, the judge who decided the motion to dismiss said, you know, they pleaded adequate facts to get by a motion to dismiss and to go to trial, but only barely. So he was kind of skeptical even at the outset that even if the case went to trial, much would come out of it. And I haven't seen anything that's changed since then. To be honest, this strikes me as a case that would make a lot of sense to settle at a much smaller level than a billion dollars. All right. Well, we will be looking out for that, among other things. Larry Hammermesh, executive director of the Institute for Law and Economics from the University of Pennsylvania. Tech companies are taking a beating this earnings season. Apple actually soared as much as 8.1% in New York trade, closing up 7.6% for its biggest one-day gain since July 2020. This thanks to its revenue and profit, both topping analyst estimates in spite of disappointing sales of iPhones and services. This proved to be good enough news to avoid the fate of peers like Alphabet, Microsoft, even Meta, who've seen their valuation plunge by hundreds of billions of dollars this season. 
And Amazon couldn't escape the downward trend with its market value dipping below $1 trillion at one point and closing the trading day at its lowest since June 14th. The e-commerce giant projected the slowest holiday quarter growth in the company's history, while sales at its web services business missed estimates. And some other news in San Francisco, we want to keep you updated on House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's office says husband Paul Pelosi has had successful skull fracture surgery. This after a man broke into Pelosi's home earlier today and attacked him with a hammer. The assailant confronted Paul Pelosi and shouted, where is Nancy? Where is Nancy? Before striking him in the head and body, according to people familiar with the investigation. Police say the man is now in custody and is being charged with attempted homicide and other crimes. As the world's richest person with corporate interests around the globe, Elon Musk is under close watch by regulators. Just today, a European commissioner reacted to his acquisition of Twitter by saying the company needs to play by the rules. Bloomberg Sarah Fryer here with us now to discuss Sarah, between his work with Starlink in Ukraine, Tesla's presence in China, now, of course, owning Twitter, a lot to keep tabs on. Walk us through the political impact of this acquisition. I think that this is going to be one of the main things we end up talking about with Elon Musk, because this this platform, it's, it's not so much... Um, a business problem. I mean, does have business problems, but the bigger problems are political ones. It's always about fighting in, in every country to not share data on dissidents or um, not um, take something down that a leader doesn't want to have up. Um, and I think having um, a business like Tesla operating around the world um, gives world leaders some leverage over Elon Musk that they didn't perhaps have over prior Twitter leaders. So I do think that that can be concerning long term. Um, what we're what we're seeing so far is, is that Musk is trying to take a sort of a, a measured approach to Twitter, maybe more measured than we thought that he would, at least based on his tweets today. He says he'd he, wants to create a content moderation council to overview whether people's permanent ban should be restored, even though previously he said that he doesn't believe in, in permanent bans. He's he told advertisers that he wants to build Twitter to be something good for humanity, um, and that he doesn't want it to become, you know, a toxic cesspool. So I, I think that he is is jumping into the deep end and getting initiated with this um, really complicated political entity that is Twitter, uh, which no one has really been able to run in a way that satisfies the public, let's be honest. Do you think given that he just owns or runs so many different companies, you've got Tesla already under investigation, his tweet to take it private, put him under investigation, will his ownership of Twitter with free speech in question take regulatory scrutiny of him to a whole new level? You know, it, it might. I think that it definitely um, is interesting, too, if you think about the way that Elon Musk does business. He's, he, based on his text messages that leaked earlier this year in court documents, it, it's very personal. It's very direct. You know, people message him and say, you know, I, I need this or I want this from you or I have this idea. And, and he's responding on the fly. And just imagine, you know, when you're owning this network that has um, millions of users but a much bigger uh, impact crater than even that, um, what kinds of things people are already asking him for. Uh, he must just be overloaded right now. And, and regulators are, are 
no exception to that. We've already seen the EU weigh in. Um, we've seen politicians around the world, you know, try to uh, to bring Twitter CEOs up to testify in years past. I, I think they'll they'll bring up Elon Musk as well, ask him about his content moderation plans. Um, you, right now, he's he's in in favor. He's says he you know wants to enact free speech, but I, I think that he's going to have to draw the line some, somewhere, as he said, and that is going to anger some people. We just don't know which people yet. All right. Well, excellent reporting from you and your team, our Bloomberg Tech Editor, Sarah Fryer, which we will continue to watch in the days and weeks ahead. Uh, joining us now to continue this conversation, Jason Goldman, one of the founding members of Twitter, former White House Chief Digital Officer under President Obama from for, as always, the insider-outsider perspective. Jason, you have been helping us uh, make sense of this uh, for the last several months. How are you feeling now that the deal is done? Yeah, I don't know if we've arrived at actually a version of sense that you could you could write down, but we did arrive at least at a uh, a season finale, a conclusion of this particular chapter. The deal is done, and now we now we get to see what sort of Elon is going to do with Twitter. So you know, we've heard predictions of the death of Twitter. It's certainly the end of an era. But how much do you think will actually change? So I, I think the, for a long period of time, people have been predicting the death of Twitter. And I think it's it's unfair to say that something's going to change today or there's going to be sort of a mass revolt uh, and the product will die tomorrow. However, you know, there's a, many different versions of death on the web. You know, MySpace still exists. It's just not a cultural institution that matters uh, in the technological world or the cultural world. Um, so it's going to take a long time, I think slower than people think, for product changes to roll out uh, onto the platform. But the problem is that mistakes can be begin almost right away, whether that's, you know, content moderation or user safety or privacy, even if it's not a conscious change in policy, um, mistakes will happen because there's going to be tremendous brain drain. You know, your guests at the top of the hour set up to 50%, and there's just going to be organizational chaos that prevents good decisions from being made. So we, the leadership team is gone. We talked about that. 50% of the workforce may go if uh, Ross Gerber is correct. Who are the winners and losers here? Well, you know, you talk about the executives that go. I, I would definitely start by talking about the about Vija, who's the you know the chief legal person at the company, ran policy for years. Uh, you know, Vija was specifically targeted by Elon in the wake of this deal uh, as someone that he didn't like, his decisions he didn't support, and then his legion of fans like barraged her with you know racist and hateful content. And through this enduring you know, six month odyssey. She completely kept the company on track. It was a game of brinksmanship in which she didn't blink. We know from back channel that he tried to renegotiate the deal. She kept the company on pace to close it at the price that was promised. And even when he was doing maneuvers such as, you know, ironically posing as a national security threat, they kept driving the company forward to this close. Uh, and, you know, I think that shows tremendous resolve and is a tremendous victory, certainly uh, for shareholders. Uh, and, and is something that should be commended. Um, and of course, as we talked about before, the other winners certainly involve uh, all of the legal fees for outside counsel that are going to be uh, that, that were generated from this. So congratulations, congratulations to those folks in their Hamptons residences. You said the best that Elon could do here was to remove himself from all decision making, and now he's the CEO for the foreseeable future. So what's the best thing he could do now? 
So I think like, you know, the 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 thing of announcing there's going to be a content moderation panel is actually a smart move. He's saying, look, I don't stop DMing me and sending me all of your, you know, sad requests about how you don't have as many followers as you think you should. I don't want to answer all of those requests. We're going to form a panel and figure that out. The problem is, is how much do we really believe that this is a serious idea? First of all, Twitter already has an external trust and safety uh, council that they can go to for 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 questions and support. So I guess he's just layering that one beneath another committee, which is a classic corporate move. Fair play. Um, but then also this morning, as as recently as seven hours ago, he was replying to someone named, you know, whose whose name is is a is a version of cat excrement on Twitter about what problems they were having with their follower graph and saying he was going to look into it. It just seems unlikely that he's going to be able to constrain himself uh, and keep himself out of uh, uh, of participating in these kind of decisions. And we know that he just likes to announce things and say that things are coming and that there's going to be a super app and that there's going to be digital payments, all the stuff that Ross ended up believing in. Um, I, I just don't think that's going to stop and that he'll end up sort of announcing these things that don't ultimately come to fruition. What are your biggest fears and how likely do you think your biggest fears will be realized? So I think the stuff that Sarah was talking about is the is the biggest concern uh, because he now exists in a world in which the Chinese Communist Party has tremendous leverage over him because he's building the Gigafactory in China. The business in China is incredibly important to Tesla's uh, bottom line. Tesla is the source of his wealth. If China and the CCP want to have information on dissidents in Taiwan and Hong Kong, he's going to have a much harder time resisting those demands than any other social media company, any other internet company before, because they simply didn't exist in these markets. Twitter didn't exist in China. Facebook didn't exist in China. Like They, they didn't have the same same exposure. And Elon not only has exposure in terms of business, he has real on-the-ground assets uh, that are at risk, not only in China, but in other authoritarian regimes around the world. Vigil is one of the people that was sort of keeping the line there and protecting users around the world. And those kind of mistakes are really possible and really can happen. Uh, and, and that's where we're talking about, you know, we like to have fun with, is this the death of Twitter and what's going on? But there's actual real user safety and user health issues uh, that are going to be at risk here. The other thing that's happening that we know is, is an increase in hate speech, is an increase uh, in de, you know defamatory language on the site, which has always been a problem for Twitter. But we see an increase in that already because people sort of sense that there's a bat signal out that says it's okay to act this way on Twitter now because Elon's espoused this free speech uh, viewpoint. And that's going to be difficult for people who are at risk on Twitter, but it's also going to be difficult for his business interests because advertisers simply don't want to be in a place that looks like a cesspit. Now, people are already being reinstated. Kanye West, for example, you know, Elon has said no big decisions will be made until this content moderation council is formed. How soon do you think Donald Trump is reinstated on the platform? Is he reinstated? Does it happen before the midterms? Does it affect the midterms? I, I don't think it I don't think it affects the midterms. I think he will end up doing it outside of the council's decision. I think it will just be something he does because of, you know, some whim or some reason. Uh, I don't think the council is a super serious thing at this point. Like, you know, I think he will continue to preserve his prerogative to make decisions like that as he sees fit. But I also think that the reinstatement of Donald Trump isn't the most important issue. Like it, like we, it's easy to focus on that because it's a big topic and it's something that gets outsized attention, particularly from, you know, folks with my background work 
working in politics. But the type of user safety issues and the type of uh, user harassment issues that happen all the time really happen in the eaches and not in like that kind of big that kind of big moment. They happen with complaints between users, people feeling threatened, people's personal information being revealed, and the kind of decisions that folks are going to have to make at the company. And now they're going to have to do it without senior leadership and presumably without with much fewer uh, resources than they had previously. And again, I think that's not only bad for the world, I think that's what's going to hurt his business prospects here. I think he's going to be in a situation where he's losing $2 billion a year on interest payments uh, on the debt, as well as costs in running the company. And it's only going to create a, a downward spiral because he's created a, a place that just looks abandoned and neglected. So is the clock ticking then? I mean, how long do you think he keeps, he holds on to Twitter for? I think he eventually relinquishes it. Like, my, I don't know how long, but I don't think, you know, he's he's obviously very rich, less rich than he was before he started all this nonsense. But I think he will eventually get tired of spending billions of dollars a year out of pocket to service interest debt that is uh, half of which have floating rate uh, that's going to end up moving off of Morgan Stanley's books to some kind of, you know, distressed debt fund. Uh, he's going to have to continue to service that debt as well as paying to do all these wonderful things that were talked about and imagine at the top of the hour. You don't just get to create an OnlyFans out of Twitter or a YouTube out of Twitter or imagine digital payments out of Twitter by bringing in a bunch of Tesla engineers to review the code. That takes a tremendous amount of energy and a tremendous amount of resources to actually pull off. You know, there's been ridiculous predictions about how quickly Elon can change the course on this. If you remember, some of the all-in guys were talking about in April when the deal was announced, that with just a few Tesla engineers, Elon could remove the spam problem uh, from Twitter over the weekend. Well, you know, they were on site yesterday. We'll give them the three-day weekend. We'll see if spam is still around on Monday. I'm going to guess that it is. Like, it's not actually easy to change these the trajectory of these things. And, and the company, moreover, is going to go through this completely chaotic transition where it's essentially learning how to operate from day one, except it's already a going concern with thousands of employees. It's, it's just not going to end well for him in this particular scenario. Last quick question, Jason. Are you going to keep tweeting? Oh, of course. Yeah. You, I will send the last tweet if need be. I am not I am not leaving the site. Um, but again, I exist in a very privileged space on the site. Like I don't get messed with by, you know, by by these these Elon stands. The only time where I see trolls and hate, which I did see some today, is when I get retweeted by a woman tech reporter, specifically that, because then all that attracts all of these all of these folks on the platform. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm going to keep tweeting. Uh, I, I, I think that there will always be a place for tweets in the world world in some way. I just think it's going to be a much diminished place. As a female journalist who covers tech, I appreciate that answer. Uh, Jason Coleman, uh, founding team member at Twitter, former White House chief digital officer, thank you so much for your uh, helping us try to make sense of this journey over the last year. Dogecoin, the cryptocurrency based on a meme of a Shiba Inu, is soaring after Musk's acquisition of Twitter. The coin, which can be used to buy Tesla swag, is up 44% in the last week. That is fitting for a cryptocurrency that was pumped up by many in the blockchain community, which, of course, thrives on Twitter. Bloomberg Shanali Basik here to explain. You know, this is a good question, Shanali. Would crypto be so disruptive if it weren't 
for Twitter and crypto Twitter? Yeah, and look at the price action alone in the days moving up to this deal closure here. You do have Shiba Inu up almost 20% over a seven-day period, 10% over a 24-hour period. It's getting back down a little bit now. It's essentially flat, but you've seen the most of the gains. You also see Dogecoin up 43%, almost 44% over a seven-day period, so even bigger rise there. But to your point, would it be disruptive without Twitter? It's a huge place of discourse, of course, when it comes to cryptocurrencies and communities around cryptocurrencies. But think about how much social media itself on other platforms also have helped really fuel certain tokens and uh, the discourse around them. Everything from TikTok to Reddit, of course, has played a huge role, as well as, um, as, well as Discord. I would add Discord to that list, of course, too, although there are a lot of questions about the direction Discord is going to in terms of building crypto communities. But Emily, I think what's interesting here is not just you know the crypto community rallying around Elon Musk or even certain coins itself. But what happens to crypto from here? And where where does it go in terms of how it fits into the broader crypto, uh, or sorry, broader Twitter environment? What could Elon Musk do to make Twitter more crypto friendly since we know how much he seems to love it. Yeah, I think what's important here is it's not really just about the discourse. Uh, a lot of this here, remember, Twitter uh, really leaned into crypto under Jack Dorsey. And then late last year and early this year, they really, really focused on using the Lightning Network uh, and Strike to be tipping users over the Lightning Network. Now, remember, Elon Musk, it's really interesting to think about what this means in terms of either what it means for a super app, but he also came from the PayPal mafia here. Uh, we know he's uh, friendly when it comes to cryptocurrencies as a whole. We know that he's very steeped in the payments world as well. Can Twitter really be a more significant means of sending payments cross-border, and is that a priority? It's something we haven't seen a whole lot of movement on since the initial announcements. And where does it fall in the grand span of his plans here when content moderation and other things for Twitter are of more immediate concerns? Indeed. Lots of looming questions. Shanali Basik, as always, thank you. Have a good weekend. Up next, we're going to go back to Twitter headquarters where Ed Ludlow has been standing by. What's the latest in the last hour? He will tell us. This is Bloomberg. What if everyone at work were an expert communicator? What if every doc, message, and email they wrote was perfectly clear and concise? Inbox numbers would drop, customer satisfaction scores would rise, and everyone would be more productive. That's where Grammarly comes in. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner that understands your business and can transform it through better communication. Companies that use Grammarly save an average of 19 days per employee per year. That's because with Grammarly's AI, what used to take a few hours only takes a few clicks like generating an instant first draft in your company voice or tailoring a message to your specific audience and goals. And Grammarly's personalized on-brand writing help is built in everywhere your team works, across 500,000 apps and websites. Plus, it's safe, secure, and already IT-approved. Join 70,000 teams who trust Grammarly with their words and their data. Learn more at Grammarly.com. Grammarly. Easier said. Done. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. 
Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has become one of the fastest-growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Let's get back to Bloomberg's Ed Ludlow, who's been at Twitter's headquarters in San Francisco all day. No Elon sightings, right, Ed, to this point? No, no Elon sightings. All I know that's going on in the building behind me is that senior engineers within Twitter's product teams have been summoned to meetings. And in those meetings, there are other Tesla engineers. Some of the meeting appointments did have Elon Musk listed as a participant. And they've actually been asked to bring printouts, paper, physical paper of the last 30 days of the source code they've worked on for Twitter. And my understanding, the whole point of this exercise is to help Musk understand how Twitter works, the platform, how the underlying code actually works for Twitter as we know it. Elon has been tweeting. He's been making what look to be jokes, but you know, in, in typical Elon fashion, tweeting things that are, you know, it's difficult to separate fact from fiction. Yeah, difficult to separate fact from fiction. What we know is individuals came outside of Twitter's headquarters behind me. They posed as Twitter employees and claimed that they'd been laid off. Sources inside Twitter and you know, images shared with me of discussions on internal Slack channels said that this was a hoax. These are not Twitter employees. We put multiple requests for comment into Elon Musk and his teams. We put multiple requests for comment into Twitter. And as is standard with Elon Musk, there was no comment forthcoming. But he did tweet a meme. And as is often the case, he resorted to to sort of meme and ridicule. You know, we talked to Ross Gerber earlier in the show, who's one of the investors in Twitter under Elon Musk, even though he didn't love the idea of Elon Musk owning Twitter at all because he's an investor in Tesla and SpaceX. And he said, you know, part of, you know, supporting Elon is knowing you are in for an unpredictable ride. And, and you know, you just have to accept that you just don't know how this is going to end. You know, for those who are sticking around, why are they sticking around and what are they preparing for? Yeah, because Elon has a a good track record of product improvement and innovation. Look at what SpaceX has done to change the commercial space industry. Lots of Twitter insiders I've spoken to are excited by the prospect of the company being owned by Elon Musk. The, The difficulty is that the uncertainty outweighs what they know about the changes that are coming for the products and the company. The threat of layoffs is real. And a lot of folks inside Twitter that work in that building and have done for many years are worried for their livelihoods. So... You know, I think a lot of changes to come in the next couple of days. Right now, the focus, I'm told by sources, is Elon Musk trying to understand how the Twitter platform and the code that underwrites all of it really works. Ross Gerber also said he thinks the number of layoffs will be more like 50% rather than 75. Quickly, do we have any confirmation on that? 
know. All I can tell you, according to sources, earlier this week, Musk denied to staff that were gathered that he knew where that 75% layoff figure came from. All right. More to come. Ed Ludlow, outside of Twitter headquarters. We're going to keep on this story, of course, in the days and weeks ahead. And that does it for this edition of Bloomberg Technology. Monday, we've got Pinterest CEO Bill Reddy. Pinterest way up today on the back of their results. We'll ask him why. This is Bloomberg. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.